Hey everyone, welcome to the next installment of Finding the Middle Path, Be Drama Free through DBT. Here we talk about coping skills, teenagers, and using coping skills while working with teenagers. I'm Lucinda and I'm going to be your guide in this journey. Let's get going, shall we? Last time, we talked about the concept of mindfulness and the three mind states of emotional mind, reasonable mind, and wise mind. Today's session is going to introduce some easy steps to getting yourself into wise mind by telling you what to do and how to do it. If you haven't catching on, the names of the skills are the what and the how skills. There are three what skills, observe, describe, and participate. Now each of these three skills can only be practiced one at a time and they will often build on one another. There are also three how skills, non-judgmentally, one mindfully, and effectively. In the adolescent manual, these are changed to don't judge, stay focused, and do what works. Unlike the what skills, these can and should all be practiced at the same time. Let's delve deeper into these skills now, shall we? The first what skill is observe. Observe is wordless watching, watching thoughts and feelings come and go, and having a Teflon mind, or letting experiences come and slip right out, much like a Teflon pan. And part of the observe skill is observing outside yourself using all five senses, but an equally important part is observing thoughts as they pop up in your mind. Now this is something that takes a pretty good amount of practice. I mean, if you think about it, how often do you just sit and make note of thoughts that come to your mind as they come. I'm gonna guess you haven't done that very often. If you wanna try this yourself, give yourself about two minutes, you can set a timer, and every time a thought pops up, make a mark on a piece of paper. By the end of the two minutes, you should have a piece of paper with a lot or a little bit of marks, depending on how busy your brain is. For the teenagers, I don't make them sit for two minutes. That's a long time to sit in silence. I try and have them do it for about 30 seconds. And then at the end, I ask them to share how many thoughts they had. Usually it's between like five and 10 thoughts in 30 seconds. One time there was someone that had like 15 thoughts in 30 seconds. The mind of a teenager is a busy place to be. Another cool thing that you can do to practice observing thoughts is figuring out the difference between observing thoughts and thinking thoughts. And this is how you do it. I usually will have keywords. The ones that I use are water, table, air, ice cream, car, purple, and morning. Now the point of the exercise is to watch and remember everything that comes to mind after I say each of those keywords. So for water, maybe think a cup of water or a waterfall or the ocean, whatever it is that you think, to think it and then take note of it. Now the difference then between observing thoughts and thinking thoughts is that thinking is whatever it was that came to mind. If it's a picture, if it's a sound, if it's a memory, that's the thought. The observing part is noticing and remembering it. So that makes it really obvious what the difference is between observing having a thought and just thinking a thought. It's kind of a very subtle difference, but it's very important to learn if you're gonna do DBT things. The last thing, the last little note I have about observe is that for Teflon mind, there's a different thing that we can call it. And I like being a duck. <laughs> I didn't make this up. Someone in the past made it up, but I actually really like it. The reason being, if you don't know anything about ducks, they have really cool special feathers that makes it so that water just 
flows right off their back, right? So being a duck means you just let things flow right off your back. You don't let it get you down. You don't let it get you wet. You don't let it ruin your day, right? The other cool part about it is that if you want to tell them to use their skills, instead of saying, use your Teflon mind, have a Teflon mind, you can say, hey, duck it up, man. Be a duck. <laughs> I, I always get a giggle out of that, which sometimes usually leads them to giving me a giggle as well. The next what skill is describe. So describe is putting words on the experience and describing what you observe without interpretations. Now, this is the natural progression of the skill. First, you're gonna observe what's going on. And after you've observed for a little while, you're gonna describe what you've seen. The last part, the last what skill is participate. Now, participating means to throw yourself into the present moment fully, get into the zone, or fully experience the moment without being self-conscious. Now, there are a lot of really good benefits that you get from participating, but one of the main ones is that you get to learn from uncomfortable emotions. So, it may seem weird to say you should be participating fully in those uncomfortable emotions, but what happens if you don't? If you're sad, and you're not allowing yourself to fully feel that emotion or to learn from that emotion, that's a lesson that you've lost. Even if it doesn't feel great, there's a lesson that you can learn from something. The second part of participate or the second benefit that you get is that it can be a very useful distraction. So if you're having feelings that aren't great, that don't feel great, and you fully participate in something, some activity, I'll use Just Dance as an example, which I'll use a little later, which is a video game, if you haven't played it. If you fully get into the Just Dance, it can actually take your mind off of whatever it is that's upsetting you. So that's the second sort of benefit that you can get from participate. One important part of participating is to let go of evaluating and do whatever it is without being self-conscious. Ultimately, participating is what life is all about. Now that you know that participating is what life is all about, you may be asking how you can get yourself to that point. Well, if participation is your goal, you can participate more fully and for longer periods of time if you use the how skills. The how skills are don't judge, stay focused, and do what works. Alternatively, they're also known as be non-judgmental, be one mindful, and be effective. And I'll probably switch between those things interchangeably as we're discussing them. The first one, non-judgmental or don't judge, means notice but don't evaluate as good or bad, stick to observable facts, and acknowledge the harmful and the helpful without judging it. Now, it's kind of difficult to know how to acknowledge the harmful or helpful without judging it. So let's have an example. Let's say you're talking to someone and it starts to get heated. And so you start yelling at each other. Instead of yelling at them, you're being unreasonable. You can instead say, hey, I struggle to talk with you when you're yelling at me. By saying that, you're acknowledging that the yelling that's happening is harmful to the conversation, but you're not telling them that they're being unreasonable, even if you feel like they are being unreasonable. It allows people to stay in a conversation more if you are able to not judge when you're using statements. Sometimes judging is shorthand for acknowledging what's harmful or helpful, and there are places for it. So for example, let's say it's the morning time and you have a household full of people. You open up the carton of milk and you get a foul odor. You don't have to say to everyone that you meet, hey, 
I observe this milk smells bad. And when I look inside the carton, it is chunky. It is probably a good idea not to have this milk. You just say to your family, hey, this milk is bad. Don't drink it. So that's an example of when it might be shorthand for acknowledging something that's harmful. The last thing to remember about don't judge is if you catch yourself judging, don't judge your judging. We live in a society that's full of judgments. It's most of the time the way that we brought up. We learn what's good and what's bad. We have magazines and TV shows telling us all the things that are good and all the things that are bad. If you're just learning how to be non-judgmental, just practice replacing those judgments with observable facts. By doing this, you have more control over your emotions. So as an example, I really like Star Wars. However, the teenagers do not really like Star Wars. In fact, they've tried to watch it a couple of times and it has not ended well. Instead of them saying, Lucinda, Star Wars is the worst movie ever. It sucks. They could replace that with the observable facts of the situation for them. It would look something like, Lucinda, I tried to watch Star Wars. It was a very slow plot and the special effects are not what I'm used to. That's a perfectly acceptable example of not being judgmental, but telling me that they don't like Star Wars, which is totally fine to each their own, right? The next how skill is stay focused or be one mindful. This means to focus your attention on one thing in this moment and concentrate your mind. You know, multitasking can cause information overload and be potentially stress-inducing and cloud awareness of thoughts, feelings, and urges. By being focused, we take all of that away. Also, if you're not focused on the current moment, you're not living in the moment. So there are lots of missed opportunities for joy. And as we learned before, you wanna be participating in life. That's what we wanna do. The last house skill, be effective or do what works, is focus on what works to achieve your goal, play by the rules, let go of negative feelings that can make things worse. If you want a shorthand, shorthand little explanation of this, it's pretty much cut the cord between feeling and doing, because acting on feelings usually doesn't work. I mean, there are some corner cases when it does, but in the long run, generally gets you in trouble. The other part is to let go of shoulds. Being flexible is much more effective. So don't should on yourself or others. If you haven't noticed yet, I really like plays on words. So you're probably going to be hearing quite a few of those throughout the time that we spend together. Okay, let's talk about how to use the what and how skills at work. For the what skills, observe is super simple. You're going to observe the people around you. You can observe your coworkers. If you work in a school, you can observe your students. If you work in an inpatient treatment center like me, you're observing the patients all the time. So take a minute to observe and really notice the things that are going on around you. One, it's very helpful for de-escalation and prevention. And two, it keeps everyone in the situation very safe. You also want to observe your own vulnerabilities so that you can cope with them beforehand so that when things start to go downhill, you're able to rebound a lot quicker. For describe, I mean, a lot of it is a documentation. So visions, we're all about documenting. We're documenting every hour of every day for every patient. But outside of that, using describe with non-judgmental descriptions can show care and attention to the other people around you. So. As an example, let's say that you notice a student or a patient 
that is usually pretty social and they're sitting off by themselves and not really talking. That's all that you see. You can go up to them and you can say, hey, I noticed that you've been by yourself a lot today. Is everything okay? And that shows them that someone is paying attention. Someone sees what's happening and they don't have, you don't have to say you look really sad or you seem upset. You just have to say what it is that you see to help them feel cared for. Participate is the final one. And I think it's actually the most important one because teenagers need adult role models of all varieties. They need the goofy ones, the strict ones, the very loud ones, the very quiet ones, the shy ones, the outgoing ones. They need all of them because each one of the teenagers have different things within them and they need to see what they can grow up to be, what they can grow up to be. And having adult role models is really the only way to do that. If you are totally, completely, unabashedly being yourself, you give others the courage to do the same thing. I think about this a lot when I'm skipping down the hallway or making up ridiculous morning songs to wake teenagers up to. I mean, they call me weird, they call me goofy, they call me silly, and I take all of it as compliments, and I still keep doing the same thing. And I hope that that also gives them the courage to be able to do those things if that's what they want to do. Most of the time, they don't, but maybe in the future, that's something that they will do. The other part of participate that's important is to remember to live in today. People are gonna make mistakes, and though it's something that you can talk about so that maybe you can avoid those things in the future, today's a new day. I'm not gonna live by having these negative feelings or being upset with someone for something that they did yesterday because today's a new day to make a new decision. And that's what I always tell them. Today is a new day to make a new decision and find a new path for yourself. The house skills, don't judge, is pretty simple. If you judge, you instantly lose your audience. By saying something that a teenager cares about is stupid or doesn't make sense or just ridiculous, they no longer care what you say because something that's important to them is something that you think is ridiculous. So obviously you have no idea what you're talking about. The other thing is that being judgmental loses trust with the people. If they are vulnerable with you and they share something with you that took a lot of courage for them to say and you make a judgment about it, they're not going to trust you with that stuff anymore. So those are two ways on how to be non-judgmental and how it benefits you at work. Staying focused, well, that also builds trust. It allows the other person, teenagers, to feel heard and validated, and it also helps them to feel cared for. So sometimes I'll remember random things about them, like they like tomatoes, but they don't like tomato sauce, <laughs> or they only like to sit in the chair that they sit in, and so I'll put their chair out for them because I know that that's something that they like. And they always say, I didn't know that you were paying attention. How did you know that? while I was paying attention. <laughs> it helps them feel special. And if I could do that by just staying focused, super easy thing to do. The last one, do what works, helps model effective behavior. And it might be something that they don't see anywhere else. Part of this is having healthy boundaries. That again is something that they may not see anywhere else. Someone that follows the rules and does what, does what they're supposed to do to get to their goals is something that they may not have access to. So doing that creates a different kind of role model for them, which is also very important. Okay, so how might a teen relate to what and how? 
Well, the what skills, as I mentioned before, build upon one another. So you really have to give them a chance to safely get to participate. And here's what I mean by this. I've got a perfect example. We used to use these workout videos called Sweat into the Oldies with Richard Simmons as our PE videos. And anytime a new patient came in in the middle of PE, you could see on their face, they were thinking, what the heck is this? Right? They're looking around and they're seeing a bunch of teenagers in gray sweats jumping up and down. They look on the TV and they see this guy with curly hair and real short shorts singing along and saying they believe in you. And then the staff just kind of sitting to the side and marking little notes down. It's a surreal, right? It's a surreal experience. So the first day or two or week, they, they never participate. <laughs> They're, they're observing, right? They're looking around, they're seeing how the other people are reacting and waiting. After a week or two, they finally will start getting into it, right? So while they're doing it, they're having mental dialogue. They're describing, okay, now I say this, and now I move this way, and then I kick my hand, and then I jump, and then I twist, and I turn, and I do the hokey pokey and turn all about, right? They're describing in their head everything they're supposed to do because they're not used to it, right? They're getting used to it. After a couple of months, they get into it for Richard Simmons, right? They sing all the words. They know all these words to these oldies songs that, I mean, I don't even know all the words to. They know all the dance moves. They can do it without Richard. They can turn around and do it to everyone else while not even looking at the TV. Like, they're totally into it. That's how observe, describe, participate, build upon each other. And you have to give them the space to feel emotionally safe to get to the participate part. Because part of participation, part of participation is doing it without feeling self-conscious. And for a teenager, not feeling self-conscious is really, really difficult. They all feel self-conscious. So getting to that part needs time. You have to give them time and space to do it. Observing thoughts also is something that needs a lot of practice. Even saying myself, I noticed I have the thought. It feels unintuitive, right? You're just used to saying I thought or I think, but having the experience of observing the thoughts coming is very odd. That's something that needs a lot of practice. Now, the how skills, they will all be met with resistance initially. <laughs> so if you think about it, teenagers are made to judge. I mean, that's kind of their job. They're figuring out who they are as people, what they like, what they don't like, um, what's different from them, from their parents or their family. So they're not going to want to say things non-judgmentally. It goes against everything, every core of their being, right? They also have little puppy minds that wander around. So being focused is also not intuitive. Additionally, they probably also have a phone. If, if you're talking to a teenager, they are probably looking at their phone at the same time as talking to you and asking them to give that up and pay all of their attention to one thing. Them's fighting words, right? So you have to kind of give them a moment to get used to that idea. The last part about being effective is also difficult, but for a different reason. There's kind of a scientific reason behind that. So for a teenager, the areas of the brain that control decision-making and understanding consequences aren't fully developed until early adulthood. So it's not just that they're making these decisions willy-nilly, they literally have not yet developed those parts of their brain yet. 
so they're less able to gauge consequences and do what works to achieve a long-term goal. That's not going to be the first thing in their head. That one's going to take a ton of practice for them to be able to get there. The last part is, remember I told you that the shorthand explanation for being effective is cutting the cord between feeling and doing? Emotional mind is strong with these ones. Emotional mind is where a teen is at. So getting out of that is going to take a lot of practice as well. And then all of this comes with having a role model. So again, very important for us as adults to be able to use these skills so that a teenager can see what it is that they can be doing. Okay, that's all I've got for you today. Thank you so much for listening, for taking 20 minutes out of your day to spend with me. As a reminder, all the information that I shared with you today was taken from the DBT Skills Manual for Adolescents by Jill Rathis and Alec Miller, except for the teen brain information that I got from basically just Googling teen brain development uh, prefrontal cortex. So if you want to look that stuff up, there's lots of good articles about how a teen brain develops and what it's capable of and what takes a little bit longer. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out on any of the platforms that you're listening to this for. Thanks again for coming by. I'll see you next time when we find the middle path and be drama free through DBT.